Amen. Again, glad you're here. It's a big deal that you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here. Notice on your way out, there's a chair there. And on that chair is a bunch of these cards that has the information for our men's lunch. On the back side, it says you're invited. Grab a handful of those, five or six, ten of those. And as you're going through the course of the week, as you're, as you're moving through your daily schedule, uh, invite folks to join you. Take those cards. Hey, uh, we got a free lunch for you. And invite them, hand them a card. And we want to see people continue to come uh, to our men's lunch. So get on your way out, grab a handful of those cards, and you'll have those during the course of the week. Today, we're going to, in our men's lunch, we're going to start a brand new study uh, looking at some of the examples of what we would call the great men in the Bible. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of those that we could look at. Uh, these men that we would say, what well, that is, that is a great man uh, in, in God's plan, in God's uh, culmination of what he was doing. And we see those guys and we know they did tremendous things. We know they had great faith. We know they served God's cause. But the interesting thing is, we also know they are just like us. Uh, they are just men. They messed up. They sinned. Uh, they knew the right thing and did the wrong thing. They sometimes were filled with doubt. They had problems in their life. And so not only are these guys, we would say, you know, these are great guys that showed great faith. We also see they were normal people. They were just like us, just men. Well, how awesome it is that re God records all of that. He doesn't just record the good part. He's not trying to sweep some of that under the carpet and let us forget some of it. He records all of that, and we're able to look at those lives and grow from their examples. Well, in that understanding today, think about this, how awesome it would be. And I'm thinking about you where you sit, for me, myself, how awesome would it be to be able to be counted as a great man in the cause of Jesus Christ? That, that when, when Christ comes back, or if they shut your casket, that people could say, you know what, that was a great man for the cause of Jesus Christ. Your kids could say that. Your, your grandkids could say, you know what, that was a great man for the cause of Jesus Christ. Yes, they messed up. Yes, they went through all sorts of problems. But at the end of it, that was a great man who stood for the cause of Jesus Christ. Nothing more tremendous could be said. Wow, they built a business. Wow, they did these things. Man, they, they pulled off this. The greatest thing that can be said is that is a man who stood for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, that's going to be our focus as we look at these men. We're going to look at Abraham. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at Joshua, uh, David. And then in the New Testament, we're going to look at Paul. We're actually going to look at five days in the lives of each of these men. And so we're going to pull five different days out. And, and look at that day. Learn the lessons of that day. Five days in the lives of Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, and Paul. It's going to be about a 25-week study. Uh, it's going to take us about a half of a year. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I wouldn't miss any of it. I'd plan to be here uh, every Thursday for the next 25, maybe 52 weeks uh, as we move through our study. Today we're going, to move, we're going to start with, and it's pretty awesome, we're going to start with the man of faith, referred to, forever known as the man of of faith. We're going to look at Abraham as our, as our starting man. In the end of, of Genesis chapter 11, we're introduced to this guy named Abram. Uh, we, we come along and it's given a, a lineage there and, and the descendants of, of Shem and it's going through these descendants and you read through there, as it gets to the end of chapter 11 in Genesis, it introduces us to a, a guy named Abram. His dad was Terah. His wife, the Bible says, is Sarai. It says of her that she is barren. She could not 
have kids. And so we have Abram, the son of Terah, the husband of, of Sarai, who was barren and could not have kids. Now, it's interesting as, as we think about Abraham uh, that, that we might miss this part of, of, of the account. Be sure and understand when we find Abram, he is a pagan man, not a follower of God, living in a pagan land. It's actually a very wicked, a very evil land. And so we find this guy, Abram, and he is a pagan man living in a pagan land. And somehow, we're not sure, God reveals himself to Abram. Uh, we're not sure how that happens. And he shows himself to Abram, and the result uh, starts in chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and that's the verses that we find today. So here's this guy. He's a normal guy, just like we are, a man. Uh, he has a wife named Sarah. They're not able to have kids. It tells us his dad's name. A pagan man living in a pagan land. God reveals himself to him, himself to him, and then we start with our verses today in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to work through some verses uh, here in Genesis chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. We start off in chapter 12 with the word from God spoken to Abraham. Abram. We have the word from God. Now, the word from God is this. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. What that means is this. God comes and he tells Abram to leave. Literally translates depart from, to go out from. And so you're to leave those things. And the Bible says you're to go to the land which I will show you. Basically, here's what God is telling this guy, Abram. He is saying, leave everything. Leave everything. We read that and maybe we miss that. This is a very radical call. This is a very crazy call. Leave your country. Now, your country is where you would take pride in. This, this is my country. Uh, this, this is where I am comfortable. This is where we have carved out a life. This is where we live where we work. He says, leave, go forth from your country. He says, leave your relatives. Your relatives are those people who know you and the people that you know. These really are your people. So he says, leave your country. He also says, leave your people, those folks that know you, your, your relatives. You're to go forth and leave your people. Then he says, and leave your father's house. Now this is bigger than it seems. He's to leave the house of his father. Uh, it, it's bigger than that. You see, in, in this culture, your security was tied to your father's house. Your work, most likely you're going to take up the work of your father. Your career, your job is tied to your father's house. Your inheritance, you know what? We've secured some things and we've purchased some things and my dad owns a bunch of stuff and someday I'm going to own that stuff. Your inheritance is tied to the house of your father. Very simply, his entire future is tied to his father's house. Well, God says this, leave your father's house. Leave your job, leave what you know, leave your career, leave your inheritance, leave the money, leave the people you count on, leave the country that you love. Leave everything to go to the land which I will show you. Now see this as we finish the first verse. 
He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he'll find when he gets there. That just makes sense. He doesn't even know where he's going. He doesn't know what's going to be there when he gets there. He doesn't even know what direction it is. He doesn't know why it is that he would go there. It's not, well, this is waiting on you. He doesn't know why it is that he's going to even go to this place. And so see this today. He knows what he's leaving, but he doesn't know where he's heading. That's a pretty big thing. And we're going to start to see the man of faith and how he is a man of faith. Understand, he knows everything he's leaving. He's leaving his family. He's leaving his wealth. He's leaving his career. He's leaving his future. He knows what he's leaving, but he doesn't know where he's heading. That brings us to verse 2. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. Verse 2, he says, Do these things, leave those folks, go to the land that I will show you, and I will bless you. In fact, he's going to bless him beyond belief. And then he says he's going to bless him beyond belief. And then at the end of verse 2, it says, and he will be a blessing. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. Thousands of years later, his nation is still a great nation. I will make you a great nation. His nation is still a great nation. Thousands of years later, we still know his name. I hear people pray and we, and we hear folks say in the, in the name of, or we're praying in the, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thousands of years later, his name is still great. Thousands of years later, his nation is still great. And then it says in that blessing, he also will be a blessing. Now we're going to see more of that in a second. Look at verse three. And I will bless those who bless you And the one who curses you, I will curse. Now, ask Egypt in the Six-Day War if you want to know what that means. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. What is this talking about? This guy, Abram, is going to have a son, Isaac. He's going to have a son, Jacob. And that lineage is going to start and it's going to go on and on and on. And this man, Abram, that God has called to leave everything, his lineage is going to produce our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that tremendous? His lineage is going to produce our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what? Through Jesus Christ, all peoples, all nations will be blessed. That is the promise that God makes to Abram. Now, I want to stop here for just a second today, and I want you to see this. God's call to obedience always comes with a promise. And I, I looked, and I looked, and I wanted to see if there was an exception to that rule, but I, I can tell you today, God's call to obedience always comes with a promise. Men, I want you to understand this. God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. It is not a punishment. God's not saying, I need you to obey this. I want you to obey this, and it's a punishment. It is not a burden. He's not saying, you know what? I'm trying to load you down with rules. I'm trying to put a bunch of regulations on you. Obedience is not a burden. It is always, always for the best. God blesses obedience. Now, let me just tell you, we have to understand that. We have to get that as men. 
our, our knee-jerk response needs to be, you know what, God blesses obedience. Our, our first response, you know what, I have come to see this, and I've come to believe this, and so if God says do this, I'm going to do it. That needs to be our knee-jerk response. God blesses obedience. It's not a weight. It's not a burden. God blesses obedience. Well, I don't understand what he's saying. No, God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. You know what? You're going to be a great name. You're going to have a great nation. You know what? Through you, all the people, all the nations, every home will be blessed. God always blesses obedience. Verse 4. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Verse 4 is is as plain as this. He obeys God's word. He obeys God's word. 75 years old. And it says he went forth as the Lord had spoken. He didn't deviate from what the Lord said. He doesn't try to do it a different way. He goes forth as the Lord has spoken. He obeyed God's word. 75 years old, he obeyed God's word. Verse 5. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 5 says this very simply. They loaded up all their stuff. They left for the land of Canaan, and they arrived at the land of Canaan. I want want you to see something here. We start to see something here. God told Abram, and Abram obeyed. Now, I think this is important for us to see. You read that verse, he tells Abram, and it says, what does Abram do? We loaded up all our stuff, and as he said, we went forth, and we arrived at the place he said to go. Notice this today. Abram didn't have to have a pep rally. Abram didn't have a praise band playing as he went. He didn't have to get all stirred up to to be able to obey. Listen to me. That's what obedience looks like. Understand, obedience is not flashy. Obedience is not driven by our emotions. Our emotions aren't going to last. You know what? We got to go to the promised land. We got to go to the promised land. I'm going to tell you, 10 minutes into that trip, it's going to be too hard to go to the promised land. It's not driven by emotion. He doesn't have a big pep rally. There's not a band playing. He quietly hears what God says, and without flash, he obeys God. You know what? That's what obedience looks like. We're living in a day when we say, you know what, I I, I, I want to obey, but I want everybody to see and celebrate and horns to blow as I do it. You know what, God tells you to do something, you do what he says do. That's what we see in Abram. As God spoke, so they went forth. They went to Canaan, they arrived in Canaan as God had purposed. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Now don't miss this. Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Understand the Canaanites, this was their land. He comes into their land to take up in their land. The Canaanites become the enemy. The Canaanites, we're going to read later, they're driven out. Uh, 
he goes into someone else's land and basically says, God sent me here. I'm taking over this land. God sent me here. He goes into enemy territory because God has said, this is going to be your land. Verse 7, we see that. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, this is the first time we see Canaan, the land of Canaan, becomes the promised land. There is now a promised land. To you, to your descendants, I will give this land. This is now God's promised land, the Canaan, the, the land of Canaan. The Bible says he built an altar there to the Lord and he worshiped God. Pretty interesting. He doesn't worship the pagan gods of the past. He doesn't say, you know what, I've got a, the moon god that was big back in, in Ur where we originally came from. I've got, to, I've got to make a monument to him. We've got to acknowledge these other gods. He builds an altar to the one true God, not the pagan gods of the past. It says to the Lord, to Adonai. He knew who God was and he obeys him. The end of the verse, he worships him there. You know what, somehow he knew our God. You know what, he obeyed that God. And now at the end of this verse, he worships him there. So here's this guy. Here's this man. He's like us. He's just a man. On this, on this day, we look at this first day, and here's what we see. Simple as this. What's the takeaway from this? What do we see on this first day looking at the life of Abram? Here's what we see very clearly. He trusts God. Well, what is all this about? He trusts God. God. Simple as that. He obeys God. Now that's what we see here, but that's, that's just the, the outcome. He obeys God because he trusts God. Now let me show you this. He trusts God more than what he knows. He knows that home country. He knows his future there. He trusts God more than what he knows. You know what? I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know what we're going to do when we get there, but he trusts God more than what he knows. More than that, he trusts God more than what he fears. You know what? I'm, I'm not sure that what we're going to do there. The enemy's still there. I'm scared to death where you're leading me. He trusts God more than what he fears. He trusts God. Here, here's the question as we wrap this up today. Do you trust God? Do we trust God? More than what we love you know what, I don't want to give this up. You know what, I'm pretty comfortable in this stuff, in this place. I, I, I don't know if I want to change directions right here. Do you, do you trust God more than what you love? Do you trust God more than what you know? I, I, I'm sure of this. I can see this. I don't know where this is going. Do you trust God more than what you know? Do you trust God more than what you fear? You know what, I'm not sure if I say, you know what, I'm going to live according to this word. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to order my home and my marriage and my life. I'm going to handle my finances according to God's word. I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. I'm not sure what the, what the end of that's going to be. I'm not sure that I won't look like a nut if I do that. Do you trust God more than what you fear? Let me tell you this, and it, it just happens over and over and over again. In our day, today, with all of the garbage and the wickedness, and the evilness, in the last 10 years, we've gone places we never thought we would go. In the last 10 years, we've seen the, the collapse of morality in our culture. 
in the midst of this garbage and, and wickedness and craziness, we need men. And let me just tell you, we have to be men who trust God. You know what? You can't talk about Christ. You know what? I trust God. You know what? You can't tell somebody they're a male or a female anymore. You know what? I trust God. You know what? You can't say that this gender is meant to be this gender, a man and a female, and that's what the Bible says. You know what? I have to trust God. We're going to have to trust God. As this world caves in, we're going to have to be men who trust God. Here's the question. Here's the truth. How do you trust him? That's really the the point of this. You trust God, listen very carefully, when you know God. You trust God when you know God. We know God through his word. Simple as that. And here we are, make a full lap. I don't know how God revealed himself to Abram. It doesn't tell us. I don't know what happens there at the end of of Genesis chapter 11. I don't know if he appears to him. I don't know if he talks to him. I don't know if a lightning bolt strikes and there's the presence of God. I do not know how God gets Abram's attention. But I can tell you this. Here's how he'll get ours. Here's how he'll lead us. Here's how he'll teach us. We know God through his word. When we know God, we will trust God. In the days we're living in, we're going to have to be people who trust God. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you're here. Be sure and grab a card on your way out. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful as I read this story that I, that I don't have to go, you know what, Abram's on this level. I'm not. Uh, he, he was born like I was born. He breathed like I breathed. He, he ate the way we eat. He, he messed up. He sinned. He doubted. He got off track. But when he knew you, he obeyed you. And Lord, I pray that we would be the same. I pray as we come here, we're just men. We've messed up. We've sinned. We've gotten off track. But in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. But I pray as we know you, Lord, we obey you. We trust you. I pray we turn to you. I pray in a world that's gone absolutely crazy that there'll be men that say, you know what, I turn to God. I trust him. Though the whole world go a different direction, we trust God. Lord, help us to be those men. Lord, help us to grow in your word. Lord, Lord help us to be consumed with knowing and, and seeing you through the, through the word of God, our Bibles. Lord, I pray for the homes that are represented here. I pray for the marriages, for the families, for the dads, for the granddads. I pray for the friends, for the workers, for the bosses, all of the men represented here. Let us look like Jesus Christ. Let us point to Jesus Christ. Let us grow in our knowledge of you. Let us be men who trust you. We thank you. We love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.